Hi, my name is Kim Chung. Welcome to Thirst Mag Over a Drink podcast. In this debut episode, our guest is Osman Bernard, a seasoned and knowledgeable bartender from Kerningau, Sabah, who has won many bartending awards since 2011. His most recognized competition was in world class, which he competed in Miami as a Malaysian champion. Osman has had experience in opening bars and currently the bar manager of Willow in W Kuala Lumpur. He also runs his own bar consultancy. In this episode, Osman is going to talk to us about Borneo rice wines, the alcoholic beverages unique to the culture in Sabah and Sarawak, which he shares the history, production, rituals and how these traditional beverages can be used in culinary and cocktails. Hi Osman, thank you for coming onto the show and be our very first guest at Over a Drink. I understand that you have been studying a lot into beverages. You have such an interest in uh, reading all this information up. Where do you get your resources from? Uh, I actually learn from YouTube. That is my first knowledge that I get from. Besides that, I buy a lot of books of bartendings. Especially all this, the legendary bartending gurus around the world, such as Del DeGroff, all these popular names in the industry, like what we know today. And, Those are the best uh, books to, to start learning bartending from. But you have gone further into studying more about history and culture of beverages uh, in Asia, especially in Southeast is, Asia. Yeah. I remember talking to you in Iki that you were telling me and showing me a book about fermentation. And uh, we started talking about twak. And ever since mm-hmm. then, I wanted to talk to you about twak because it is a, an information that is not widely spoken about. And when I research on YouTube, I only saw videos that were spoken in local language that it, it was hard for me to understand. And yeah, I was hoping is. that you could help me break down what it is all about and also to our audience. So I want to ask you, from my understanding about Borneo rice wine, obviously it's wine made from rice in a household of Borneo, which include, of course, Sabah, Sarawak, and part of Indonesia. And twak is a more common known term used for this rice wine, to me at least. But there are different terms, you told me, for these rice wines based on their methods yep. and the alcohol content. Right. So can you help me break down how many types of rice wines are there in Borneo? Actually, we have plenty. But for now, what is recorded as far as I know is maybe 10 about the rice wine being made from. But whatever it's been recorded, so far that I know is seven. Can you tell me uh, about them? What are these seven types of uh, rice wines? The mother of rice wine, especially for the Austronesians, the Borneo peoples, basically. I don't want to, to go to the further uh, Filipinos and also uh, Taiwanese. So let's, let's focus on Borneo. The rice wine, the mother of what we call the general known terms of rice wine is some people call it tapoy in part of Philippines. In Indonesia, they call it tape, also called tapai in Malay language. So basically tapai, right? It's fermented rice, which is they cook the rice and also they mix together with yeast and then ferment it. That's it. There is no 
added sugar, there is no added water. So whenever they want to drink it, then only they strain, bottle it, and then can drink. It sounds like it's generally just three ingredients, right? You have the water, you have the rice, you have the yeast. Further explanation about tapai. All right. So to drink tapai, right, after you ferment for one month, then only we add water to mix together with the pure uh, liquid from the fermentations, and then only we drink it. But the way we drink it is in the jar together with a bamboo straw. So that is the old school way of drinking rice wine in Borneo before they, they have evolutions, which is lihing and tuak. So, so you uh, add water to dilute the alcohol content or was it that because the mixture was already very concentrated? Yes, the mixture is already concentrated and it's very strong on flavors. And also people tend to drink rice wine in Borneo more than a gallon. <laughs> Per person, yeah. Every time? Every time. So we drink rice wine like a beer because we already diluted with water. So the percentage alcohol going turned down to 5% or 10%. I just want to visualize this, right? You say that the um, tapai is uh, fermented in a jar. So is, a jar. It, is it in liquid form before you uh, add water into it? Or is it a, no, a bush? It's a bush together with a little bit of liquid. Ah. So to get the alcohol, you have to pour water in to mix, leave it for a couple of minutes, then only you can drink it. What is the alcohol content then after you have added water? The ABV, you mean? Maybe about 5 to 10%. Okay, then how about before you add it? Before you add it, about 20. But you don't really measure it, right? We don't really measure. <laughs> we, okay. just, we just buy test. <laughs> how much you can consume. <laughs> That's how the culture is. <laughs> okay. You can add however much water you want or you do not add water, not that much water okay. as well? For this culture of drinking, this is the big jar. So the rules is you have to follow the previous persons who drink it. <gasps> so okay. let's say the first person said, I'm going to pour in water, maybe 500 ml, for example. Okay. I pour 500 ml. So the next person going to drink 500 ml as well. So I must match the person who drank before me. Yes, we follow the owner of the jar itself. Because in our uh, drinking culture, to come drink in someone's house, you have to bring your own jar. Every family, they have their own jar. So they bring their own jar and then we drink it together. But again, the rules, you have to follow the owner of the jar. So let's say the owner of the jar set the rules of this, then you have to follow the rules of this. To drink. How can you tell whose jar it is? We're putting name on the jar. You put name on the jar? Yeah, yeah. Is there any occasion yeah. that you drink tapai or any rice wine? The biggest one is Kaamatan, where the harvest festival is. It's held on the 1st of May until 31st of May. Mm-hmm. During uh, a month period, you can drink as much as you want. It depends on uh, who's going to host a harvest festival. Let's say drinking daily. People always tend to drink every weekend. So let's say uh, this week we drink at his house. Maybe next one you're going to drink at my house, something like that. What kind of rice is used in tapai? Uh, We use brown rice because brown rice is not going to break apart when you ferment it. It's not like white rice. They're going to break apart and then be eventually become a mesh. And also, flavor-wise, brown rice is more flavorful compared with white rice. If I don't drink it within the month or after a month, 
Can I prolong the fermentation process? Is this going to make it more potent? Yes. So the maximum you can ferment is a year. More than that, it's undrinkable. The alcohol content is still there. Mm. It's just because you ferment together with the rice, you don't strain it. So the rice itself, it becomes a living bacteria inside the wine. So you tend to get to the toilet so many times. But no one ferment more than a year. We ferment one month or three months. Mm -hmm. And then we strain it and we age it. You told me that after tapai, there are other categories as well. So what's next Correct. up from tapai? So the tapai is an old school way of mm. drinking. The evolutions of it is uh, what we call lihing and okay. also tuak. Okay. But this is two different terms and two different uh, techniques. Okay. And also two different ingredients uh, to make. Let's start with lihing then. Lihing is the Sabah way of making it. That is where you are from. So lihing, you have to ferment it at least three months because you need to break down the rice to become liquid and also to get the pure liquid more than tapai. So after three months, you strain, you bottle it, you edge it for a couple of days or months or a year and you can drink it after that. Go to tuak. Tuak only takes about two weeks because they consist of water, rice, sugar, and yeast. To make the fermentation faster, they added sugar. And also because they want to boost up the alcohol uh -huh. faster compared with lihing. Lihing to produce alcohol, it takes time. Tuak only takes two weeks. The same process, it's just uh, different ingredients. When you say different ingredients, is tuak has added sugar and lihing right. does not. Yeah, the amount of water added in tuak is more than lihing. How are they consumed? Do you need to add water like how you drank tapai? No, lihing and tuak can drink it uh, rice. That's it, like sake. Because there are differences in terms of the time of brewing, does it make any difference in terms of flavor, on taste, it is. or even quality? I did a couple of experiments. Actually, time really helps uh, on the flavors. It's like red wine. The depth of the flavors doesn't go too much if it's not edged too long. Can you give us a rough tasting note of Tuak and Li Heng? It's actually similar. It's just Li Heng is deeper because there is no water and sugar added. So there is no lack of flavors in terms of flavors of rice. However, in Tuak, they have slightly lesser flavors, but you cannot compare that because Li Heng and Tuak, each brewmaster have their own yeast. The yeast actually playing a big role on flavors. Say I use this particular yeast. It's not going to be same with another yeast. They produce different flavors because yeast itself have different type of uh, ingredients. Different household has a recipe for their own yeast. I understand that each producer have their own recipe where they work with a particular household that produce yeast. And when they combine the recipe together, it's something they do not share with others and only unique to themselves for generations. Is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. Like my family, we just buy the yeast from this particular family. So this family only sells for certain families only. They choose whose family need to sell to because of, in a common sense, quality control. It has a reputation that comes with it, I suppose. Correct. Let's say in my village, for example, the best rice wine you only can get from my family. And another village is only from this family, something like that. But ah. we, we come from the same yeast master. 
I see. So your family has been producing Liheng for generations? For generations. Do you know a little bit of history about how Liheng came about? If you trace back the history, it's actually come from southern China. The technologies where it come from, the Austronesian uh, culture. Because if you check back on the history of Borneo, there is a couple of migrations from Philippines and also from Vietnam, southern China as well, come to Borneo and get uh, married with all these natives. Also, the rice cultivations technology actually come from the southern China as well. I think that cultures of rice wine come from there. Are there mm. many different types of rice cultivation in Borneo? Are they always different? There is always difference. Even rice very field uh, for my family, we have about five types of rice that we cultivate. Different rice also play a big role on the flavors of Lihing and Tuang. Is there a particular type of rice that is most popularly used for making Tuak Lihing? Or are they all so different that they are unique to themselves without a category? I can't say that because we never recorded what type of rice we use because normally what we have the rice is, oh, I got the rice, these beans from Ranao, for example, or maybe I get from Tenom. So this is the rice, we call it the Tenom rice, something like that. So we don't have that particular type of what breed. Are you able to disclose the type of rice that you use in your family to make lihing? Very close to brasmati. It's in between brasmati and jasmine rice. These are traditional recipes. Mm. Is there a license required to brew? For now, we don't have. I only know one type called the brew factories in Sarawak, but Sabah, we don't have. But again, as long as we don't sell it commercially, Mm. We only sell for family business, like small batch. The government doesn't really care. Because it's a, a tradition, right? It's a tradition and also it's a culture. It, it yeah. is very important culture that we yeah. Malaysians have very little access to. <laughs> Tell me about the tools and equipment you need to make the rice wine. What do you need to use? It's actually very simple. We use a wooden spatula, a rice cooker, if you have. But normally with my family, we have our own cast iron cooker. And also you must have a motor to break the yeast. And that's it. Also uh, a clay jar. If you don't have clay jar, then you can use plastic jar. It's fine. Are these equipment passed down from your ancestors or get new ones and it won't make a uh, difference get, in the quality? You, you can get new ones. It's fine. I saw some video about how people are drinking from the vessel and then there will be telephone numbers marked on the pots that they drink from. Is that some sort of marketing? No, it's actually from the makers. So let's say the jar have their own owner, the brewmasters, so you can contact the person. It's on the jar. They put a name and phone number as well. Okay. <laughs> so it's, it's quite convenient. Yeah. Just call them and then they... Yeah, just call them, yeah. <laughs> so is the brewmaster for Tapai the same as the brewmaster for Tuak and Liheng? Yes, the cultures of Lihing doesn't go to my region. Mostly Lihing drink in uh, northern part and also northwest of Sabah, which is the Dusun tribe and also the Kadazan tribe. My tribe mostly drink Tapai. We don't do Lihing, we don't do Tuak. But again, because of this pandemic, I think we're going to move to that already. (laughs) (laughs) Why would you move towards making Tuak and Lihing? Because normally we share the bamboo straw among us. So once you put a bamboo straw in the tapai, you can't pull it out. Otherwise, it's going to destroy the uh, 
The, the I thought it was for commercial value. So, okay, it is not. It's for hygiene purpose hygiene because purpose, yeah. you share the straw drinking from the tapai pot. Now, yeah, before COVID, that, yeah. you are going to yeah, change now, that. Yeah, even my father has already done it now. Are brewmasters for rice wines generally female in the family that have to do the production? Is that true? Yeah, it's true. It's common sense, right? Normally, female is doing kitchen works. Men's normally they do outdoors, hard works. Woman has a gentle hands on this job, but it's not so my family because in my family, all of us is helping my mom. Only particular job, he doesn't allow us to touch because they have set stage of making. There's this particular stage, no one can touch, only her can do that because of the cross contaminations. It's better to be one person only touching this thing. Which stage would that be? To apply yeast into a rice. And also to mix. I also heard that it is taboo for women at a certain time of the month that they are not allowed to touch the brew so that it will not affect the quality of the end result. Is that right? Yes. During a woman's period, the woman cannot touch it at all. I think because of hygiene also. So the tradition still hold today? Still. We have passed on Tuak and Li Hing. What is the next Mm. step? So for distillations... Let's say for Lihing, we distilled and then it becomes Talak or Montoku. Mostly people call it Montoku nowadays, but our original name is Talak. Alcohol by volume is 30 to 50%. Same goes to Tuak. Tuak, after you distill, it becomes Langkau. So same alcohol by volume as well. What kind of equipment do you need to distill Scotland for whiskey? Pot steel and column steel make a difference. Is there such thing for distilling rice wines? Yes, the old school way we did with a clay jar together with bamboo. We covered everything with clay to trap the steam and also using bamboo as your coil and also your pipe. But nowadays, I believe there's plenty of stainless steel drum we use now. Are there any regulations for this type of distillation? Uh, no, the government haven't come out with regulation yet because mostly they don't really sell it commercially. It's only just for families and India village itself. So it doesn't go commercial. Self-consumption mostly. That's amazing. Well, just now yeah. you were telling us about aging and I want to go back to it. So yeah. aging is applied to lehing and quark and also distilled alcohol? Distilled alcohol, no. We don't do aging. There is no point for us to age it because we don't use a wooden barrel. After you distill, you can straight away drink it. But aging for lehing and quark is very important. How does that make any difference in terms of taste? In terms of taste, this is very special for rice. I notice rice, more you age, the more flavorful it becomes. What people did during their edge, they put in a bottles and they buried inside the ground for a couple of years. After certain celebration, they want to use it, then only they take it out. That's the old way. In the modern way, explanations, they do that because they want to control the temperatures and also they want no UV lights. Have you aged any of your production? Yes, I have in my house now. I've been aging almost since first lockdown. The more you age it, the more the rice character will come through. So the quality of rice is very important. Correct. What would you pair this aged beverage or even unaged rice wine in general? In general, I like to pair with uh, Asian food. 
in specific uh, veggie dish, white meat and also pork. Do you cook with rice wine? Yes, I did pasta. I did a couple of Asian food. I did with instead of using white wine or red wine, I use lihing or tuak. That's amazing. I understand yeah. that you also use rice wine in your cocktails. How yeah. do you apply that in your recipes? Tuak, you can play with these two types of cocktails. Normally, what I did is I use for low ABV cocktails and also play with classic cocktails. Let's say like Negroni. Instead of putting vermouth inside your Negroni, you can put tuak. That's an inspiration. Yeah. So the flavor of tuak and lihing is very similar with vermouth. Very similar to sherry. If you age it more than one year. It's very similar with Amontillado, Seco. Like phenol sherry? It depends because some yeast a dry taste. So you can't say phenol, phenol. Tell us, is there a cocktail that you have created with using tuak or lihing? I have this article about what is it called before Singapore sling. There is a cocktail actually come from Borneo before the Singapore sling. It is called the Sandakan sling. I read the colonial articles about it. It is created in 1910 in Sandakan Club, a guest house for British colonial offices. They come out with these drinks, but unfortunately, I didn't get any of this recipe. So I tried to reimagine how is it and also what is the common ingredients they use during the time. So I come up with this recipe, which is London Dry Gin, because it's a British colonial. And I use red vermouth because most of the cocktail during that time, they use vermouth. And I tend to have uh, a Borneo ingredients inside instead of just colonials. So I added lihing and also tenom coffee. Tenom coffee is coffee from tenom. The southern part of Sabah is just 20 minutes from my home. The Sandakan Sling, it's a low ABV cocktails for your before meal drinks. And I sell it in Willow. Huh. So everyone who's listening can go to Willow and order a Sandakan Sling. And you'll is, be able to taste Borneo pre-Singapore Sling Sling. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much for your time, Osman. It's been such no a pleasure worries. having yeah. you. But before we end this, I want to ask you if there's any person that you want to meet over a drink, who would that be and what would you be talking about? I like to drink with my father. I would love to meet him and to drink with him because I haven't met him for two years, since 2019. And I haven't had that deep conversations with him because normally... We drink in a very deep conversation. <laughs> so I miss his voice and also his advice for life. That was Osman Bernard, breaking down the categories of Borneo rice wines. You can find Osman through his YouTube channel, Mari Drinks. And don't forget to pay him a visit at Willow, W Kuala Lumpur, and order that Sandakan sling. Thank you for listening to this podcast. My name is Kim Chung, and this is Thirst Mag Over a Drink. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for our latest episodes. You can find all the links in the show notes. I'd really appreciate if you can leave us a five-star review and recommend the podcast to your friends. See you next time.